0: Welcome to episode 110 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Styman Pale Robbie on my boards. Pale Robbie on my boards. Oh, <laughs> no, your that, boards that, and your that, boards. That just run. sounded so pretentious. But, you know, I'm going to leave it in. I, whatever. We're going to keep going here. Uh, joining me today, we have Derek. I just graduated Heemsburg, and, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Woo, I just did that. It was yes, cool. You, yes, you did. How does it feel, big guy? Uh, Exactly the same. Yeah. Um,
1: with a little bit more... <laughs> Crippling existentialist dread, but um, <laughs> that's the way. Yeah, it's a big weekend though. Graduated today, and uh, have another ceremony tomorrow for my other college, and then um, on Sunday my boyfriend moves in with me. So,
0: lots of big stuff. Cool, cool. Well, congratulations, and to all the graduates out there, big congratulations to everyone. Uh, You know, I, a, as an educator, it's very important for me, uh f- for people to go out and get an education. I think it's really great. I, I say you need to study what you love and hopefully make a career out of it. So, Derek, I know it's been a long journey, and congratulations to you, sir. Thank you very much. Cool. And then we also have Robert. uh picture on Google Hangout is a cute little cat, Fenner.
2: <laughs> that's right. Uh, Towns car on the boards. Uh, that's my cat, Borscht. He, um... He's been pretty well behaved tonight, actually. He's usually pretty whiny, but um, uh, you can see him making a uh, ridiculous face in my icon. But yeah, French, is, uh, no. our listeners can't see that. But <laughs> so
1: it's, a it's cute. You got word for it. He's a cute cat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, first off, I want to tell the listeners we're trying something a little bit different this week. So uh, we we got kind of officially. Fed up with Skype and decided to have enough of it. So we've moved over to a Google Hangout. Um, there might be some problems here and there where we're kind of fixing audio bugs and stuff. I'm going to go in and do like a sweep of this thing to make it sound as good as it can be. But, you know, obviously, might be some growing pains here. But I think overall, the call quality is way better. I'm not ridiculously loud compared to everybody else. And hopefully, we'll be able to talk over each other a little bit more without uh, anybody dropping anything. So when, you know, Derek wants to jump in. And- and go objection it won't like completely cut one of us yeah cuz <laughs> Skype,
1: Skype notoriously always makes me the quietest person in the call i don't know why
0: uh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just trying to tell us something. I mean,
1: censorship. I, it's about ethics and Skype
0: calls. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Somebody, somebody emailed the treehouse. Oh man, this is getting bad. Uh, so anywho, I, I think this is going to be a little, little different episode of Random Encounter. We're going to just talk briefly about uh, one game in particular, and then we got a lot of news to go over. So this is going to be a news-heavy episode, kind of a an analysis as we get ready to, to start getting excited for E3. Derek, I'm really glad you're going to be coming, dude, because I, I was getting real nervous that I was going to be the senior person at E3, and I, yeah. I just I just can't handle that amount of pressure.
1: Surprise switch-up. Yeah, I'm excited that I'm going too because I hadn't planned on it, but now I get to hopefully see Persona 5 at the show and I guess, like, hang out with you guys or whatever. I don't care.
0: I'm very, very excited. I, I think <laughs> that this will be – this is going to be enjoyable. Uh, or, yeah, it's, or I think it's so. Great. Or it's going to be terrible. I I don't really know which way it's going
1: can, to go. We but. can play Nintendo's one game that's going to be at the show if we are to believe the
0: machine as it swirls. Well, we're we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Yeah. So, uh, let's start off talking a little bit about uh, Danganronpa Two. Two. What's your EX Sorry, Danganronpa two.
1: Ex Plus Alpha. Sorry, Super Rampa Two. Ex Plus Alpha. Featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series.
0: <laughs> Certainly seems like it. Uh, sure so, do. so I just finished up uh, Dongan Rampa Two, and uh, I, I kind of had a really weird experience with it. I, I talked about it briefly on the last podcast, where I I was enjoying it. Uh, I finally got used to the mini games because I I don't think the game did a very good job of explaining them. And like Derek said, I just kind of had to figure out how to play them, and everything was fine. But It was weird because I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of overall narrative to Rampa 2 for, like, 90% of the game. Like, it was really focused in on the class trials and the individual characters. But, like, the overall, like, what the hell is actually going on in this game didn't really exist until the last chapter where it just decides to make all these crazy links to the original game and it w- it was awesome. But I'm I'm kinda wondering like, was that the best way to go about doing it? Like kinda backloading all of the the real story of Don Gun Rampa and getting away from like the individual trials. And I'm I'm glad I got two guys that played the game as well as I did so that I can kinda get your opinions on that. Mm.
1: Robert, you want to go first? <laughs> uh,
2: put well... You on the spot. <laughs> uh, I don't remember it bothering me too much that the uh, grand mystery was all put at the end because I didn't really feel like that was the focus of the first game either. It was more of a character study, in my opinion. Um, and... To be honest, when that stuff did start to happen in Danganronpa 2, I kind of felt like that's where the uh, plot started to fall apart and some of the plot holes started to become larger and more obvious. Um, But it didn't really detract from any of my enjoyment, personally. And um, I thought there were some really, really great (laughs) moments at the end, specifically that final encounter, the sort of like RPG-style final boss.
1: Yeah, it's okay. it's hard because it, I don't want to say too much since Danganronpa 2 is it's it's a relatively new release. I mean, it's a couple of years old, but it's also just released on Steam. So I know there are a lot of people who are going to be just picking this up for the first time. So I don't want to like, go into everything that happens at the end. Um. Yeah, I'll say that Robert, uh, or Rob, this is going to be confusing you guys. Just, Rob, just remember, I'm Rob. And I know, he's Rob. Robert. Yeah, as you were saying, Rob, it uh, it does retread some old ground, and it it seems a little bit like at first you're like, I don't know if this is an entirely necessary sequel, but everything brings itself together towards the end, and I think that playing Dung One actually does an excellent job of messing with your head even more with your ex like when it terms or when it comes to expectations in Dung and Two, because you'll think, okay, I've seen. This subverted *Ninjagon Rumble* one, so I have an idea of how they're going to subvert it. Into no, you probably don't, because they're still going to screw you up. Like, it, it's uh, mm. surprising to me how well it still manages to be uh, expectation-defying.
0: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I I definitely enjoyed it, and I think that it it does play with your expectations in a unique way. I think there were a couple moments where. I kind of thought I had things figured out or like which characters were going to line up with the original game and mm-hmm. they they really play with those expectations quite a bit which which I really liked and then they kind of crea- creating a larger universe for Danganronpa was also really interesting like it's not just a Okay, this is all going on and it's it's an isolated incident. I mean, it is connected to the original game in many mm-hmm. different ways. And so the the world of Dongan Rampa feels a lot bigger now, which I really it like. It does.
2: Yeah,
1: especially mm. with uh, Ultra Despair Girls, that sort of bridge game that happens between the two. All of that contributes to a larger picture that I'm really excited to see culminate in whatever happens in Dongan Rampa three and or V three, the anime. There's just because when you play Danganronpa 1 it seems like like you said Rob it's it's a an isolated incident in a school that these characters are trapped in and you don't immediately get a sense for what may be happening in the world at large and then when you move on to further entries it's it's astounding how well conceptualized the world
2: of Danganronpa is
0: yeah i i I'm very excited to see where they're going. Apparently, the an, the anime that comes out this summer, there's two parts to it, right? One's like a prequel. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of forget what what exactly the order is. I think one uh, is a... One yeah, like yeah. there are
1: just two casts of characters. I don't remember exactly how they fit in chronologically, but I know that one is mostly featuring characters from Dungan Ripple 1, and the other one's featuring characters from 2.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah, uh, and then they come together and do stuff in various
0: ways. I haven't read
1: too much about it. it
0: I'm excited. Cool. I'm really excited to see where they go. Like,
2: uh, Oh, absolutely. Uh,
0: and especially after the, the very little that they've shown for, uh, Rampa three, which almost kind of has like a, a, a cyberpunk avenue to it. Cause the main character kind of looks like he looks like mighty number no. nine done grew up and went to high school. <laughs> Like it might
1: number nine, but not bad. Got it. Yeah. I
0: mean, he he kind of.
1: Just kidding. I have nothing against the design of of Beck from any number nine. Just that game looks like hot trash. I hate to say it, but. <laughs> it, it, I think <laughs> we'll I'm talking about it. it, actually, it
2: actually, comes out.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I'm going to play it. And uh, Rob, you were there when we tried it at E3, right?
0: Yeah, and it was and it was all right. I, I I didn't I didn't not like it. I mean, it was it was fun, and it was enjoyable, and when I finally started to figure out, like, the whole dashing through enemies mechanic, I, I liked it, but it, I, I can understand, I think, that there was maybe a feeling, like, based on those or, original concept art drawings, that it was going to look a hell of a lot better than it actually did.
1: Yeah, it, just, it looks so bad for the insane budget it has, but I'm pretty sure I've already made this exact point before, and we don't need to go on about it at length.
0: And then we get worried that is that going to be the same problem with, uh, bloodstained when that happens, like. But that I,
1: already looks better, just from the, the alpha, like pre-alpha footage that they've shown us of character animation. That already looks better. And they let know, people uh, vote on different cell shading filters and
0: stuff, so. I would, I would agree with you. I think that that still looks better. Uh, I just, you know, uh,
1: but it, sh- it goes to show how important transparency is in the development process, especially these days. Because Mighty Number no. Nine was supposed to be transparent, and I feel like they didn't listen to feedback throughout any stage of the process. I mean, maybe what? they did some things, but th- they had this idea of being transparent, and they basically weren't. Whereas we see things like uh, other Kickstarters, in particular, like Bloodstained, they're being more transparent. And then even Square Enix with Final Fantasy 15, they just put out a video about a week ago, maybe a little bit less, that had somebody going around and interviewing all of the development team in their Japan offices and not, and just asking them who they were basically and what they were doing for the project. And everybody was expressing their gratitude to the fans for being so involved in the process and for believing in the project and everything. And it's, I mean, what a world of difference, right? Like I think that even with final fantasy 15, we've seen it come so far from the original demo that was released to what we have right now in terms of the combat system. And it may, Still needs some tweaking and polishing, but imagine if they had just left everything as it was in episode Dusk 1.0 and said, that's it. We're going to leave it like that and release it like that because we believe in this vision that may or may not actually be what it should, you know, it may not be taking shape the way that they thought it was. So instead they opened it up to the fans, let them give feedback. And, of course, they shouldn't be catering to every single demand that fans make because like, the Internet is a cacophony of voices and they don't agree with each other and, it, but yeah, I, I think transparency in the development process can only help us here. So, Ugh, off track from Danganronpa.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> we we started out with the, the look of Rampa 3 and, you know, kind of wondering... It's like Robo Naegi, kind of, with yeah, white hair, right? Yeah, and I I wonder, like, how are they going to fit all this together? I mean, they did a very nice job of fitting it all together with 2. I, I just... I, I go back to my first main point about the game, which is I wish it was a little bit more VLR, where... VLR, Virtue's Last Reward, was doing a really good job of kind of sprinkling the story the whole way throughout. And because of the nature of that game with the multiple threads, they could eventually reach a point where you get a little bit of this and a little bit of that with each ending, and then you put it all together. Whereas this is a much more linear experience, so I get that. I just wish that some of the the sprinkles had been out. Like, the the big cutscene reveal um, for just how messed up one of the characters is that probably hmm. could have happened at the midway point of the game. And it would have been way more effective than right before the final chapter. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that That just feels like one of those things of, it was right there. So I'm kind of wondering, where do they go from there? But but overall, I, I really liked it. It grew on me. I think that if you have a Vita, it's a great game to pick up, and now it's available on Steam, yeah. which is great, including... So- also, Final Fantasy X and X2 HD came out on Steam this week, which is just mm-hmm. like, I, I think that's phenomenal, because that makes it easier to play these games yeah. after the fact.
1: Not to mention, I'm not sure if we said that Nine came out on Steam as well a couple of weeks ago, so that that Steam library is going to keep growing. It's a great place to play games. Like I was going to say JRPGs, are there, there are a good amount of JRPGs on Steam at this point, but I think it's a it's a really good option for people who may have shifted to a more like because there are, I know a lot of people actually who just do handhelds and PC, that's it. Mm-hmm. So they want to be able to play these games that either classic games or new releases, but JRPG's traditionally haven't found a lot of but they haven't found homes on PC, so I'm just glad to see them coming to Steam and Final Fantasy games are are classic. I mean everybody's got a favorite and it's just great to have more of them become available.
2: Mm-hmm. By the way, well, I mean like for the um, longest time with with Oh I'm sorry, Derek, please go ahead.
1: My question is unrelated, so uh
2: I was just gonna say, you know, for for the longest time with um Japanese development houses and PC, it was mostly erotic visual novels. And so it's really, really nice to see, you know, all these all these um great developers who we see on consoles and handholds um making their stuff widely available. Uh, on PC in Japan and the West. And I find that it's right. a very, very exciting time. And not to mention, they
1: haven't been perfect ports historically, but a lot of the time when they do come to PC, they at least have some kind of additional options that take advantage of the fact that PCs are customizable hardware. So whether you're adjusting resolution or even in-game tweaks, like you can speed up battles and stuff, which is great for some of the older Final Fantasy games because mm-hmm. as, much as, as much as I love them, Final Fantasy IX is one of my favorites, but I think it has between that, it's that or 8, they have such slow battles, so it's really, it can get kind of tiresome when you're accustomed to modern games moving at a faster pace, and I I kind of hate that I'm spoiled by that a bit, but I mean, you play Bravely Default, where you can make the battles four times as fast, and then you go back to FF9, and it's like, oh my god, do I have to watch every long panning camera intro? Maybe that just speaks to my growing impatience as a gamer. or Maybe I have less time to devote to that kind of stuff, but it's nice to have the option, right? Because if you want to watch the full animation, you can watch the full animation. That's fine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or uh, you I, can think, I,
0: I think you're well within your right to want to have something that wastes less of your time. Like That, that was something that when I was playing Dragon Quest IV a couple of weeks ago, there were moments where I was like, okay, I wish I could speed this up just a little bit because all I'm going to do is grind for another hour before I go tackle this tough boss. It would be nice to get around that. I think for me the bigger thing about having all these games on a platform like the PC, and again I'm not trying to pull PC Master Race here, that's not my point, backwards backwards uh, compatibility is really important to me as a gamer. It really is. Like, I don't want to have to bust out my PlayStation 3 every time I want to play a PlayStation 3 game. I don't want to bust out my PlayStation 2 every time I feel a tremendous amount of guilt and decide to start trying to play Shadow Hearts again. Like, I don't want to do that. If it was all just in one unit, it would make it would make it much easier for me to justify playing those games or being able to do it. You know, the the more hoops you put me through to play those old games, it's not going to happen. So having a platform like the PC is very important to me from a backwards compatibility standpoint. I want to be able to go back and replay those games.
1: Yeah, it's nice to have a unified library. <laughs> and it's nice knowing that, I mean, I know some people are wary of, of DRM, and that's that's understandable. But with something like Steam, I at least feel secure knowing that if I buy something on Steam, that license exists in my library, and if my computer wipes or whatever, then I have the ability to redownload that, and it's not it hasn't been a problem traditionally. I mean, I know that it could be, but it's just nice to have one hub for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Speaking of older games being re-released, just a tiny news clip, I was very surprised to hear today that Wild Arms 3 is being released on PS4. As a PS2 That's classic. So yeah, what a weird choice. Like not that Wild Arms 3 is bad cuz it's fine, but I would have expected a lot of other things before that, I suppose. I actually I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of Wild Arms 4 even though it's hyper hyper anime and really far away from the rest of the Wild Arms games. I thought it was a good it's a shorter RPG too, which was that was one of the first RPGs I remember playing where I I acknowledged that it was like this is a shorter experience, and I'm actually kind of okay with that, because it just felt more like something that I could replay and more easily digest in the future. Anyway, yeah. Uh, oh, I wanted to ask, Rob, before we conclude the Rumpa discussion, mm-hmm. who is your favorite character in Danganronpa 2? Uh,
2: Fuyuhiko, easily. Mm. Um,
0: is he best girl? <laughs> 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 no, uh, for, I, I don't want to give anything away, but his character goes through a dramatic change. Which was really, really cool because, you know, that that was something that's, you know, Steven, God rest his soul, we miss you being on the podcast, (laughs) Stephen. Like a week. (laughs) I know, but I have separation issues. Um, but it's something he mentioned before was like all the characters seem so tropey at the start of these games, and Fuyuhiko really flips that on its head in a super positive way. Like he went from a character that I could not stand to my most beloved character in that game. And and that is a real testament. Great? Yeah, that's a testament to their writing. That that's God, like I love know, a character arc like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that very few characters, you know, Cersei on Game of Thrones is starting to do that a little bit for me because we find out more and more about her character and why she is the way she is, and that maybe doesn't justify her actions, but it it lets you understand them a little bit more. I mean, at the beginning of the game, Fuyuhiko is just a dick. And then he really comes around, and he does not doesn't completely break away from that mold, but he becomes something more, and that was—that was really cool. Yeah. So, I, I'm excited for the next game. I—I I would hope that we would get it in a reasonable amount of time. Uh
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be. I mean,
0: it's this year in Japan, so I'd maybe com-
1: this year for us. Probably not, but I, again, I'm okay mm-hmm. with that, considering how much stuff we have happening in 2016.
0: Yeah, I'd rather play it on my Vita. Honestly, I, I don't feel the need to play that on a PlayStation 4 and hog up the whole uh, TV. I, I would play that on a Vita.
1: Yeah. It's a great one to have on the go. But yeah. It is. It Visual novels in general, I always prefer on a portable device.
0: Yep, and, and like I said in the last podcast, I, I'm starting to prefer playing old school uh, JRPGs. I was actually thinking about maybe giving Radiant Historia another try this summer because really? that was—I really wanted to love that game more than I did. Like. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if you're gonna, because so. <laughs> We had the same problems with that game, and I I I still look upon that game as something that was just a huge miss... like, missed the mark. Missed potential.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like just a couple of things, like, pull the camera out a little bit in the overworld, uh, because, like... Dear God, I I felt like I had to, I felt like a blind person walking down a super large hallway. Like I had to constantly (laughs) hug one hall because the camera was so close. Like it just created like the first castle. I I had no idea where anything was. It just drove me nuts. And then the battle system was just the same thing over and over again. And it was like to resurrect the ghost of Stephen departed. Great soundtrack. Yes. Yes. Great soundtrack. Well Steven talked me into playing overclocked next, uh Devil Survivor Overclocked. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a try uh right after. All all the excitement over uh, SMT four apocalypse in America, oh I, God. I I need some more SMT in my life. Like That's I, great. And I and we talked last podcast, like I I don't want to try Strange Journey again. I don't like first person dungeon crawlers. I really don't. Like I, I just don't like controlling them. What you love um, SMT and 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 not vibe with that. <laughs> well, I mean, I played the later SMT games. I mean, I yeah. didn't play the I didn't play the originals. Yeah. You know, I played Persona, obviously. I played a little bit of Nocturne until I got a little tired of that. I loved SMT4. Digital Devil Saga is that game that just I keep starting it. That that game just has such a slow start. It's clunky
2: by today's standards, and there's some really like almost unacceptable marathon dungeons. Yeah, yeah. I like that game a lot. Like Kai, ugh.
0: I want to give that game another shot, but I would—I'm I, surprised they haven't tried to like modernize that game a little bit. I, I feel like that's a prime game for a little, just like you're saying, a couple little tweaks, nips and tucks here and there, and it makes it a much more playable experience. True. So, I still
1: love that game, but
0: I—I yeah. I, I, yeah. I feel
1: you, I feel you, man. A lot of the, there are t- plenty of games that I hold in incredibly high regard that if I tried to play them today, I might go. Eh this is a little plot. Not not like it's a bad game, but just pacing is an issue, I think. And I think it's something that we've... I think developers have gotten the hang of pacing on the whole as games have, you know, progressed. Um, RPG pacing, at the very least. Like, there are a lot of RPGs that just are snappier in terms of speed of animations or, like, length of dungeon and that kind of stuff. And of course mm-hmm. that's not universal, but... Yeah, especially when we're looking at games from the PS1, PS2 era. You know, there was there was a shift from 16-bit, where it was sprite-based and pretty snappy, to a more cinematic approach. And with that came some extension in the time it took for things to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that doesn't have anything to do with dungeon design, I guess. But yeah, like Digital Double Saga is a good example of a game that just has nightmarishly long dungeons. And I, for as much as I love that game, it's kind of like, ugh, you suck a little bit. You can you can deal with it, but yeah.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Speaking of SMT... Oh, my God.
1: It happened.
0: So so I got to call you out a little bit, Derek, here, in a, in a loving way. In a loving okay. way, I have to call all
1: you. Right.
0: So I was watching, like, uh, we, I was looking at all the message board postings about Persona 5, and you had told me that you were going to go, like, media blackout on this game, like, not look at anything. You were just like, I just want it in my hands. And, <laughs> and apparently you've watched this trailer, like, what, 157,000 Well, nine? I can't
1: help it, okay? I'm weak. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it
0: was a... It's such
1: a good trailer, oh my god. It is it's a It's like... The the place I want to be at is... Alright, I'll watch the main stuff that they put out, right? But I don't want to, like... I don't want to be scouring the Dengeki articles and the Famitsu articles and thinking, like... oh Well, this character really... You know, this is the, the uncle of this character. And, like, I don't want to be spending all my time putting together fan theory stuff before the game starts. Just because I want to be surprised by some of it. I... I, I actually, I said before, and this this remains true, I didn't want to know who all of the main playable characters were. I wanted that to kind of be a surprise. And at this point, there's honestly no avoiding it to, to some degree. Like, the fact that we, we write for a gaming enthusiast website means that we come in contact with a lot of this stuff, and just as I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. And I just can't avoid it. I mean, I would have had to do total social media blackout in every dimension for me to be able to miss the Persona 5 stuff that came out at that broadcast. There's no way. Like Tumblr, Facebook, Twitter, you know, if Google Plus existed there, I'm sure there's stuff there. On our forums, on every gaming news site, everybody was losing their minds over this trailer, and for good reason, because it looked fantastic. It, but, yeah, I mean, you, you're right. You can call me out on that. You're you're not wrong. I, I did want to be on social
0: media blackout, or media blackout, period, for this game, but it's just not feasible. I, it, it looks... Absolutely fantastic! Like just Such the style, the, the sense of style. I mean, that was, that was the one thing about Catherine that, even though I didn't like that game very much, it had style. Like I loved the menus, I loved the look of the game. It was like an anime brought to life. I mean, it was just. Just so awesome, a great sense of style, and they have just ratcheted that up to, like, 11 or 12 with Persona 5. Oh, it's 12. That if, menu, that post-battle uh, yeah. result screen, oh, my God. So I feel like fun. that'll get tiresome, though, if we, we see that every, every time. Yeah. Well, no. you can probably.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll probably, it'll get to a point where I'll click through it for sure, but it's, sure. it's still uh,
0: awesome. And now we have a date. In Japan, which is uh-huh. September fifteenth, I want to say.
2: That's right. Two weeks before the
0: the big boy. Uh-huh. I I I. I think they're both big boys. I, I'm not trying to be a troll. I would buy Persona. You don't 5. have to try. I I would buy Persona Five in a heartbeat over Final Fantasy fifteen. Like oh, it, is, it, it is not even a. Yeah, Robert, we're going to get to Final Fantasy XV because I think you and I have similar feelings on it right now. But, like, it, there's no it, there's no anything. There's no decision to be made. Like, I know I'm going to like Persona 5. Worst case scenario is I like it, you know, because I know what that combat <laughs> system is. I, I love the look of that game. Like, it, it it's going to be one of those, like, eh, maybe it wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be, but, like, I'm still going to enjoy that game.
1: I don't even know how that could happen at this point we Persona has this track record now and if they don't as long as they don't go totally off the deep end and revert back to well I say revert but but like uh what's the word I'm looking for sort of descend down into nothing but the most anime of anime tropes I don't see how this could be a bad game it's it's up in the air whether or not it's going to be quote unquote better than Persona 3 or 4 but I mean it just looks it looks incredible and this team has a, a, they've established that they know how to write compelling, deep, and sometimes unpredictable characters. Do they verge into anime tropes? Sometimes, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't see how Persona 5 could be anything short of great. I think it's going to be between great and masterpiece, somewhere around
0: there. I, I'm, I, I'm just as I, excited as you are. I mean, yeah. I, I, I want to play this game, and I'm super on board with it. I would say we're going to get it probably by December. Uh, I I'd, I'd yeah, think so.
1: I, I think, I'm thinking October maybe. Um, I don't like that it's coming out that close to Final Fantasy 15 for purely personal, selfish reasons. I just, like, I want each of those games to be the focus of my gaming life for a while. And I it's the ultimate, you know, first world gamer problem to have two amazing looking games coming out in a year of other amazing games I just, I want each of those, I know that I'm going to want to devote myself to each of those, which is kind of pathetic, but whatever.
0: <laughs> it's just, no, they look it, so good, and it, I, I wish they weren't. It, it's so totally fun. understandable. I mean, I've only been able to beat a few games recently by really focusing on one at a time. Like, okay, I'm going to play Dragon Quest IV. Okay, I'm going to play Rampa Two. Okay, I'm, I'm going to start uh, Devil Survivor Overclocked, like... I was trying to play too many things there for a while, and I think having a handheld and a console-slash-PC game is the right way to go. Like, if I have a free period during the day, I can sit down and play some Overclocked. Now, when I get home, it is all Doom all the time right now, but, like, I, I, I had to fit it into the show. Cause God, uh, I was God, waiting for it. God damn, that game is amazing. But, like... I was trying to play too many things, and I think now having a little bit more focus is great, and I would want there to be at least three weeks in between Final Fantasy XV and Persona. Like, I I need to have some time in between those two games. So, you know, it looks like we're going to get it by the end of the year. Uh, At this point, I don't know why you would get it on PlayStation 3 if you have a PlayStation 4. Oh, God, yeah. And isn't it also coming to Xbox One in America? Isn't it? Mm, I don't think so. I haven't heard that. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I might be making. You probably think
1: of Final Fantasy 15.
0: That's probably what I'm thinking of. Okay, okay, but I'm I'm super excited for Persona 5. I mean, it just looks. I watched the trailer one time, and now I'm in media blackout mode, which means maybe I when I mm-hmm. see it at E3, I lose my goddamn mind, and I'm just like, yeah. I have to get more of this. Like, probably. I I am just so on board with everything that that game is doing right now, and
1: and I'm. I'm liking oh. the character designs, by the way. The the ones, even though I couldn't avoid seeing them, the, the new characters, they look pretty cool. There's the, the orange-haired girl I have taken to calling Splatoon, Sean. K-
2: she, K- just,
1: K- <laughs> she just looks <laughs> like an inkling <laughs> Oh
0: loves- my god, that, that Scarlet Pimpernel with the adieu. <gasps> adieu. So cool. I'm on board. I am just completely on board. I don't want to know anything else about this game. It's just, it's real now. It is a yeah. real game. Oh, for it is, sure. It's really coming out. And even the, the previous PBs was like, oh, this is finally happening. But this
1: one, more than ever, showed enough of the battle, enough of the exploration it showed. Dialogue boxes it showed. Sort of like the overarching picture for the game. This is the one that really nailed home. Persona 5 is real and it's coming out in a few months.
0: Yep. And now, we're
1: all going to crap our pants.
0: So. Now, now, just shifting gears slightly, because I want to put Robert on the spot here a little bit. I made an offhand remark on our message board, like, if this was a choice between Persona 5 and Final Fantasy XV, I would get Persona 5 in a heartbeat. And, Robert, you kind of came out even harsher on Final Fantasy XV, or at least the, oh, the Platinum demo a little bit. Is that fair I, to say? I'm
2: sure the game itself is going to be good, but the Platinum demo really threw me for a loop. Same. It, it kind of seems like uh that would be the... Proof of concept tech demo that you would show investors, and uh, Dusky would be the
0: demo that would come out three months before release. Yeah, I really uh, that platinum demo. I I think the the biggest thing for me is that I was expecting Final Fantasy XV to be very Kingdom Hearts, like I press a button and I'm going to swing my Keyblade and I'm going to attack things. And it's really not like you're kind of guiding Noctis a little bit. Like it's not a Devil May Cry game. You're kind of you're kind of guiding him a little bit. It's like it, it's almost and maybe I'm speaking completely out of turn here, but it it's almost the natural extension of the Final Fantasy 13 uh, battle system to an even more action-oriented way of like okay now you're doing the attacks by holding down the attack button. Okay now you're going to do the dodge by do by holding down the dodge button. And that really threw me off. Like, I I was expecting he was going to swing his sword when I told him to swing his sword. Mm -hmm. And no, it is like I'm telling him to commit an action. And so that was... My brain was just like... It was like short-circuiting. Like, I couldn't... Oh, this isn't Kingdom Hearts at all. Which kind of leads me to wonder, is Final Fantasy VII Remake, is that going to be the exact same thing? Or is that going to be more action oriented? I don't know, but like, the 15 demo was very weird about that. That, that really threw me off. Hmm. Well, the,
2: the running around and collecting magic beans it reminded me of like a Harry Potter tie in game. And then there was that whole thing of like transforming into a matchbox car and driving on the kitchen table. And I was like, what is going on with this? What exactly is this game going on? See, to be? I liked
0: that part of it. <laughs> that, that was the part of it that I actually dug. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, maybe I just uh, maybe I still have a sense of whimsy. I don't know. But like, what what got me was like when the the battle finally started against the golem, and I was like, "All right, Noctis, swing that sword." You're you're still winding up. You're you're still up. okay. You you finally swung that sword, and it was just like, it's fine that it's not an action game, but everything that I had seen of it really made it seem like it was going to be an action game. So. I'm still I mean, on board. It's interesting. I, yeah,
1: I I think you're you're right though. Your analysis or your comparison to saying like it's Final Fantasy 13 but more action oriented. I get that because it doesn't feel it's not it doesn't have that tactile. Every time you press the button, you get a, a an action out of it. It's like pressing the button is issuing a command, like issuing an instruction that he follows when he has time to execute. Yeah. And of course, that time that time is very 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 small. It's a yeah. short window, so it's not yeah. like you're sitting there waiting for forever, but yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. I can see that. I I think it's a hard game to demo in my opinion just because I and this is sounding like I'm going to be rushing to its defense or or perhaps putting it on a pedestal because I am, you know, I am an Unabashed Final Fantasy fan and I am very excited for the game. But I think that it's the kind of game like Final Fantasy 13, I don't think would demo well at all if you gave us the very beginning of that combat system because it's like, what is there to do? Mm-hmm. And, no, and in the Final Fantasy right. 15 demo, it's kind of like, all right, I have two or three weapons and you have, like, a spell, right? So, uh I don't know. It could go either way, but I think that it's the kind of game that reveals its complexity as it goes instead of giving it to you all at once, which is
0: neither good or bad. I don't know. but I- I'm still going to buy it, and I'm going to... The pre-order the Yoshitaka Amano art steel book because I am just a slut for his work so I mean I'm I'm going to I'm gonna buy it and you know now with the wonder that is Amazon and I'm not being a show here the fact that you get what 20% off a pre-order is just like absolutely ridiculous on Amazon so I'm probably gonna buy that and smt4 apocalypse at the nice. same time and get those metal pins right get those metal pins yo uh <laughs> Man, there are too many games coming out, my right I know. Oh my god, just stop! Like, I, I, uh, it's almost too much. Right? It really is. Like, even at, like a sidebar to non-RPG, like they released the first elusive target in Hitman today, and I have 48 hours to kill him in one of the maps, and I'm just like, oh, god damn it! Also, that game is coming along very well, and I like how people are finally starting really? to, get on... yeah.
1: It, it, I thought you were pretty. You were really worried about that, weren't you? I was
0: really worried, but I was like, the episodic model might work because this is, by its nature, an episodic game. Because it's all about, like, you take a level and you take it apart inside and out. And these levels are just stupid big. And the first two levels have been fantastic. Like, it has some performance issues. I wish it ran a hell of a lot better. Like, there's really no excuse for this game to be running kind of as crappily as it does on different systems, but... The ideas are there, and it, they've really emphasized more the puzzle elements of Hitman versus the stealth aspects, and that was the right decision. So, and I know it's not an RPG, but I, I find it funny that people were ready to absolutely lynch them over the episodic model, and if anything, I think it's making this game better. Well, that's a nice surprise when that happens, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I again, not every game needs to be episodic. You know, I'm having a hell of a time playing the Doom single-player campaign. Like, I wouldn't want that to be episodic, but, you know, there, I don't think we should be opposed to trying new things, like new delivery mechanisms for games. Like, otherwise, I would just play all of Hitman in one oh. weekend, just butchering through all those levels instead of really coming to appreciate them.
1: This is why I'm not terribly worried about Final Fantasy 7 being split into parts because I I don't see that as like to be continued where they don't give you a full experience. Uh, right. I mean right. I don't know. Again, that they haven't revealed a lot of details about that, but my my gut feeling on that one is it's probably going to work okay.
0: I I think you're going to be right, and if they I'm sure it will. If they tell almost all of the first disc with the first episode and you know there isn't too much of a turnaround time on them, it could work. It could work. Oh, yeah. I mean,
2: like, even a huge and fleshed-out Midgar as the first chapter. Oh, God. That's, well, that's the best I, part of the game, isn't it? I could I, I dig <laughs> that if there was, like, a, a 20-hour trek through Midgar.
0: Why is it that it worked so well in Final Fantasy VII? Like, I, that very linear opening of Final Fantasy VII, the first, you know, and now you can do it in maybe three and a half hours, but for me it was like 12 when I played the game the first time. Like, those first hours in Midgar, why did that work so much better as a linear experience that I adored? I think it's
2: one of the first times we saw um, a place that was so fleshed out and had so much detail and, and uh, life to it. And it's certainly... The first time that we saw a city on that scale, uh, in a JRPG.
0: Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Thirteen was just, you know, it has fantastic art design. I'm not, I'm not bagging on the game for that. It is, it's gorgeous, but it was so lifeless. It was so sterile. I agree with
1: that. Even, even though I like Thirteen, yeah, it is. I think that the the world it builds is so much grander in concept than ever in execution. I wanted to see. Because I was I was devouring lore stuff before it came out, and I was being that guy and going like, oh my god, this world is so cool, they could do all these things. And then in the game, it's... I mean, you, Cocoon is kind of boring. It's a neat idea, but you don't yeah. get to see that. And I think Final Fantasy VII did a much better job of establishing Midgar as a living, breathing place where you can imagine all sorts of things happening around every corner.
0: It's the silly moments. It is the silly moments, it's the cross-dressing, we talked about that <laughs> last year at E3, but that, that just makes that game feel alive. And so I'm, I'm not opposed, you know, my problems with, with 13 were not the linear nature. My problem was the, the just walking until I got into another combat scenario and had another cutscene. I'm kinda done with cutscenes in video games at this point. I'm kinda done with them. Like
1: then you should be interested to know that Star Ocean five doesn't have very many cutscenes. They took an approach with that game where it's almost all dialogue like, happening while you're walking kind of thing. Walking and talking. Yeah. So uh, but that could also be boring if it's like if every piece of dialogue happens in a scripted sequence where you're forced to walk along a hallway, that's also not very fun. So
2: yeah, I, I, that's kind of what um uh Richard at uh, Kotaku was saying. And you're also kind of boxed in during those conversations. So you can walk about halfway down a hallway, and then you reach a uh, invisible barrier until oh, the conversation ends. Kind of a bummer. <laughs>
1: now he was saying that about Star Ocean 5 specifically.
2: Yeah, he oh. he, he he is not enjoying his time with it.
1: <laughs> uh, that sucks. Well, I think it's it's a it's a nice idea, right? But yeah, it's it's. It's harder to do that, I guess. Games like Uncharted do it pretty well, but even Uncharted has sequences where you have to wait until somebody finishes saying something. Um, I just beat Uncharted Four last night. Pretty quick turnaround on it, but if something about Uncharted. Those games are like big budget action movies for me. If I'm gonna play them, I usually sit down and I just go through. I steamroll
0: to the end because I wanna, I wanna see who it is. Uh, I've got, a, I've got a game for you to play now that you have Uncharted. Is though. it called Doom? Damn straight it is. I don't wanna play that. Uh, <laughs> But
1: Uncharted does the thing where there were points when you have a, you have a partner character throughout most of the game and it varies but there'd be parts where it's like, oh you're in an area and they say, huh, how do we get up out of here? And you gotta search for a place for somebody to give you a boost up or to throw down a rope for you or something like that. And sometimes I'd find that like right away and walk over to it and there would be a little icon, triangle button icon would pop up and I'd be hitting it, hitting it, hitting it, hitting it and they're still talking about, yeah, huh, sure would be nice if we could find a way out of here. It's oh. gonna be tricky. Hmm, well let's look around, tell me if you find anything, and right, I'm sitting there like, triangle, triangle, I see it, I see the ledge, come on. And then when they finally finished talking, then it would initiate the little sequence where they said, hey, come over here, I found something. But I mean, that's the kind of thing where uh, the developer doesn't expect the player to find that so quickly, and it's obvious that the design isn't working. <laughs> super well. So I get what you mean with the being boxed in thing. I, I hate that. I hate when they give you the freedom sorry, the illusion of freedom. But it'll happen even in uh, Resident Evil Revelations 2 which I played somewhere recently. There'll be sequences where you're talking on a radio or something and as mm. soon as the radio, you start talking on the radio, your character's pace slows to a crawl and you yeah, can't yeah. move over any objects in the environment and you can't progress past doors and stuff
0: like, yeah it's a That's good hard. idea but it's one of the awesome parts about Witcher 3 was that the when you're walking with an NPC, they will actually match your walk speed. So if you start running, they'll start running, and they oh, actually they keep up with you. I know you weren't cool. a huge fan of that game, but that, that made those moments much more bearable, much more yeah. livable. And, uh, oh, God, we have Blood and Wine coming out for that at the end of May, and I can't wait to get back to some witchering. I think I'm going to turn that game back to normal. I, I think I just need to understand that I'm not going to get a hardcore action game out of The Witcher. It's more of a vacation game. I actually I, I feel very similar to Witcher 3 the way I felt about Xenoblade. Where, like, this game's actually working best when I'm, like, having a leisurely, fun experience in this world. I'm not really looking to this game to challenge me too much, if that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not a backhand comment at either game. Like, oh, they're not good enough for my time. That's not what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's built I, differently. Yeah, I, I just don't. I, I don't think The Witcher works as strong enough as a combat game. Or maybe I just don't understand the mechanics that well. But I'm not looking to that game for the combat. I'm looking for that world that is just so appealing to me. And I'm, I'm even more excited for the expansion because it, it seems to be going a little bit more fantastical. Like, the, the best parts of The Witcher is when it just gets, like, bat crap crazy, and I, they're going more with that. So, that's a world I'm really looking forward to returning to, and apparently that expansion is, like, 30 hours long. So, it's a whole that's nother massive. game. Yeah, that's huge. I I know. I That is, uh, ah, man, that is a really good game, and I can't wait to see Cyberpunk in 2020 or whatever that Oh, was. yes, please. Jeez, I, th- those guys are just nuts. And... You know, the the internet seems to have kind of come around my school thought on Fallout 4. Like, you know, not that it's a bad game. I'm not I'm not saying that, but just the well, maybe this wasn't as great as we all thought it was. And and Witcher 3 was just more appealing in every possible way than Fallout 4 for me. You know, combat combat being weak in both games, I still enjoyed it more in Witcher. And the world was just so cool. I'm looking forward to getting back to Geralt. He's my boy. And I love how I love how much of a doofus he is. <laughs> Robert did you play any Witcher 3 or am I the only one
2: I, I went and bought it for my birthday last year and I've maybe put two hours into it I, mm. it's just I'm having I really want to like it and I'm having difficulty getting it to click with me you... uh, I, I will pop it in at some point and give it another go did but... you like
0: Red Dead Redemption
2: I did yeah
0: look at it like that like you're not looking at Red Dead to be like this super satisfying shooter are you No, but... There weren't so many proper nouns and
2: <laughs> lore that just makes me feel a little bit hungover and sleepy. Uh, but
0: I have a lot of respect for what CD Projekt Red have crafted. Yeah, you know. I, I get it. I, I get if people aren't interested in that. But that that world was just fun to tool around in. And it, it, Everything is just so muddy and everybody's wearing a potato sack. Yeah, that's true. I I think it really scratched that completionist itch for me where, like, there's a <laughs> thing on the map. I need to go to the thing. And that, that that's, like, what kept me playing Skyrim and Oblivion and Fallout 3 so much, and that's actually the thing that kept me playing way more of Dying Light than I thought it would, but then eventually Dying Light's absolute crap story finally like, it finally beat me. Oh, well, well, I absolutely
2: love Dying Light. The story was garbage, but you know, running around in this you know Turkish-style city with that great sense of verticality—that was one of my favorite experiences of last year.
0: When the when the verticality gets good, because at the beginning of that game, it just you're a stumbling mess of just I'm not powered up at all. Is this the way the game's going to be? And no, that's not the way the game's going to be. It actually has a pretty good RPG mechanic in it of like getting better at everything. But the beginning part of that game just makes you feel like you suck at everything. And it, once I got over that hump, I really enjoyed it, but I got like maybe three-fourths of the way through, and I just said, nah. I want to play the following expansion, because that was supposed to be significantly better. Like, it's supposed hmm. to actually have a good story. Mm, game I was, wonder. That game was really cool, though. Hmm.
2: Good idea. I mean, it's, it's setting. Uh, it's, it's setting that does a lot for me. So, I mean, you know, give me this CD Projekt Red Cyberpunk game with... You know, Night City and a, uh, a cyberdeck, and I will just go wild for a hundred hours quite
0: happily. You know, it's a really good futuristic setting for a video game. Do tell Mars. Now, now go with me on this. Go with me on this. Let's go with Mars go with and, dude and, again. and and Hellgates are I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah. Um, I, Persona Five, we're excited about. We kind of went off on a tangent there about uh Witcher, Witchering even, it a little bit.
2: Even your resident uh, former Persona super fan turned skeptic is very, very hyped about Persona. Yeah, 5.
0: I kind—I I was surprised. I, I, I can you articulate your point a little bit on that? I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, what? Why were you? Uh. I, I like you a lot, Robert, and I—I I mean this in a positive way, but. You, you kind of went a little hipster on me. Like, uh, I liked Persona back before it was cool.
2: Well, uh, let me just push up my glasses <laughs> and uh, pour the craft <laughs> ale. Here's, and, yeah,
0: here's a craft uh, brew. Please. Please. All <laughs> right. Where's the, where's the Paps Blue Ribbon? Here we go, here we go. Oh, he's Hey, ass, hey, trashy.
2: hey, that's, that's close to water. Um, <laughs> but worse for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think Persona 3 and 4 are stellar games. Um, Persona 4 didn't really do it for me. Um I've got a lot of affection for Persona too. I'm not sure if that's because I played it at a very formative time in in my life. Um there just feels to me it feels like it's it's very um it's very satirical and biting towards uh Japanese popular culture. And I kind of feel like it's turned away from that and become more of a celebration. But um Although I, you know, I gripe about um particularly what's happening with Tokyo Mirage sessions and then seeing Atlas partner with Tokyo Tower to promote Persona 5, um my feelings about those aside, I think that Persona 5 itself looks like a fantastic game and I really can't wait to get my hands on it.
0: Yeah, and, and I I think we saw a little bit of that uh some of the criticisms that were lobbed at SMT4 and the character designs in that game versus the the character designs in Nocturne and digital devil saga I mean it th- uh, I'm th- just kind
2: of Co, cool, but I had no
0: problem with smt for right that. but it was they, one of my and, favorite and, games of two
2: thousand and thirteen
0: and i was i wasn't implying that you did have a problem with that, but there was a little bit of pushback from some fans on that, and I think it's They're because both. like some of the harder edge had they maybe they felt like the harder edge had been smoothed out a little bit like that that kind of dark dour uh Persona 2 setting had kind of been shaved down a little bit with 4. I mean, 4 is bright and colorful, and they deal with dark themes, but it is it is definitely a brighter game than Persona 3, which was already a brighter game than Persona 2. So I think we're seeing, you know, more of the natural extension of that. And I can, I can understand your thoughts. It just, you know... Well,
2: like, I've, I've talked about this a little bit before, but, like, you know... In Innocent Sin, you've got uh, in Persona 2 Innocent Sin, you've got that whole arc with um, the uh, unscrupulous and kind of sleazy um, idol manager who's trying to force the girls to be in uh, be in an idol band for nefarious purposes. And then um, in Persona 4, like it's cool to be an idol, and the idols in your party, and it's great. And now Tokyo Mirage Sessions is all about how wonderful it is to uh, be an idol, and it's, they've got a partnership with Avex. And
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I, I have a particularly sore spot for idol culture. Like I, I'm not a fan at all.
0: So you were uh, happy with the first Death and Dongon Rampa, is what you're telling me. Bye, bitch. I'm <laughs> 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 no, I'm just I'm. Oof. I'm so
1: tired of idle culture elements creeping into modern JRPGs as a trope. I don't get it. I don't know there, why that connection there's a was lot made. Of
2: crossover with idol otakus and game otakus now, Just, uh, and that's what's going on. They're trying to hit all the markets, and you know, with Avex contributing so much towards Tokyo Mirage Sessions, um, that's that's kind of creepy. That's a tr- precedent that I don't like.
1: Hmm. I'm I'm a little I'm still nervous about uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions a little bit, but I will say that Kim, uh who used to write for us, hi Kim, she's not listening. She <laughs> she writes for Game Informer now, and she did a uh, a video hands-on preview thing with Tokyo Mirage Sessions, where she got a pretty lengthy look at the game. I think she played it for several hours, the English build, and offered a bunch of commentary. the The video that she posted was not two hours; it was like twenty minutes. I don't know, but uh, a lot of the things I saw. Reinvigorated my my confidence in the game, just in terms of its its uh, persona ness, because it feels very it has that deeply authentically rooted in Japanese culture sensibility to it, but it's also it, it seems very polished, I guess is what I'm getting at. It's it's got a lot of attention to detail in the menus and like the shops or Japanese convenience stores, and um, I think it it's got there's more to it, I guess, than I thought there would be. Although I will still say that I'm skeptical of the idol elements. I just think that, I mean, if you take the time to, I don't know, I don't want to be this guy, but if you take the time to really research the idol industry in Japan, it's kind of messed up in a lot of ways. Yeah, so it's it's an industry that profits off of exploiting young stars, particularly young girls most of the time, and it's, It's just kind of, like, it's kind of skeevy sometimes, and blah. But, uh, I don't think that every idol is being exploited, necessarily. And that, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them enjoy being in the spotlight, and there are a lot of enthusiastic fans, and there are a lot of genuine connections happening between fans and idols, but the corporations and the agencies that are making them don't necessarily have those people's best interests at heart, always. So, I, think I just again, I have kind of a problem with idol culture. So seeing it constantly popping up in these games, like Tokyo Moro Sessions Persona, uh, Persona Four Dancing All Night was based around that concept. We have Tokyo Xanadu, and again, I kind of feel like I've had this conversation on this podcast before, so I don't want to keep retreading it. But um, I'm just wary. So yeah. <laughs> if we could, uh, if we could shift away from that, that would be great.
2: I'm mega uncomfortable with the idea of like idols being posited as the new superheroes, um, as as we're seeing. Yeah, it bothers me uh, for the same reasons that it bothers you, Derek.
1: I'm just over it, really. I mean, more than anything, I'll just say I'm over it. So let's do
0: something else. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, games on Nintendo systems, E3 is going to be weird this year, Nintendo. What's that about? So Nintendo has kind of said that they're only going to show one game at E3, and that's Zelda. So is that what's actually
1: happening? I mean...
0: They, at, they really uh, are
1: just showing
0: one. Uh, apparently, their their massive booth. We don't know. You know, maybe they're gonna have a Super Smash Brothers tournament, and maybe try to get people turned on to Star Fox by putting it at a bunch of kiosks and saying, "No, really, it's it's really good. You gotta believe us." Um, but like. The only game that they're going to be bringing, at least Nintendo is bringing. There could theoretically be 3DS games from other developers, and maybe Wii U games from other developers. <laughs> uh,
2: I look at, at the Wii U games coming out this year, and it's
0: sad. And <laughs> I mean, it, can we can we just agree that the Wii U is a failed console? Is well, it fair? Is it fair to say that? I bought mine in December for
2: Xenoblade. Uh, I haven't bought anything since. I'm pretty happy with that purchase, but um yeah, I think that's a
0: failure.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it's a good system. I mean, it's this is totally subjective, of course. These are our opinions. I just I think that the Wii U stumbled and failed as a system. It has excellent games on it that sure, I'm very happy sure. to own and happy to have played, and I love those experiences. But would I like all of those experiences on a system that wasn't the Wii U?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, just because, I mean, I have a special place in my heart for the Dreamcast, even though I never owned one until I, I met my wife and I inherited one. I have a very special place in my heart with that system. I used to go to my buddy Dave's house to play it all the time. That's how I saw Resident Evil Code Veronica. I love that system. That is also a failed console you know, it's it no was, Saturn. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but it, it, it didn't get to, it didn't get to live a full life. And the Wii U did not get to live a full like life. A year and a half. I Ooh. mean there and there are some great games on it. There there definitely are, but now, you know, but we kind of saw an admission during that earnings call, the NX is going to come out in March of 2017, and the new Zelda, as we all kind of predicted, is going to come out on the Wii U and the NX. And Wouldn't it be funny
2: if the uh, Wii U version was better, kind of like how Twilight Princess on GameCube was better? It
0: right. was the better version, Robert. You are 100% right. <laughs> uh, I remember having to go to... I, I tried to buy that at a GameStop on my birthday when it came out years ago. And then they couldn't sell it to me because they were all the pre-orders were spoken for. So I went to Walmart, bought it on GameCube, went back over to the GameStop and said, what is wrong with this picture? Like, <laughs> I just went to Walmart to buy a video game that you guys refused to sell me. Like, that was also the same GameStop that tried to uh, convince me that Final Fantasy XII was coming to the Xbox 360. That oh that was, God. yeah. They were like, "We're taking pre-orders for it right now." I'm like, "No, Final- give us your money." You've you never no people money. in
2: my
1: day, like having. I've worked at GameStop many times over the years. Uh, probably six or seven times. I've come back for holiday shifts. Who worked there as like a manager or whatever. It's been a while. But there was always that one person who worked at GameStop who would just make stuff up like that. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Did you hear um you can get Mario on the new Xbox? I'd be like, What stop lying? (laughs) Who are these people? I, I feel like GameStop bets them for something. And it again, GameStop employees, some of them are wonderful people, but there's always one. There's there's one who works at the GameStop that I still go that I go to now. Yes, I still go to GameStop sometimes. Uh and she just lies about stuff, I don't, I don't get it. Like she tries to tell me things, and I'm like, "Girl, <laughs> you know who you're talking to." <laughs> I don't want to be that guy, but
0: come on. I, I mean, uh, I, f- I It's like that
1: Chris
2: know. Kohler tweet all over again.
1: <laughs> what does that remind I, me of? It.
2: Uh, I, he posted some story where um, he advised uh mother in Gamespot when the clerk was clueless, and she said, "You uh, should work here," and he said, "Oh, I have a better job."
0: <laughs> Ouch! Oh. Some heroes um, don't wear capes. <laughs> so, so, um, so we're gonna get the New Zelda on the NX, mm-hmm. as we all kind of expected, and I think that's great. Uh, I'm excited to see what Nintendo does with the NX, but you know, for them to only be bringing one game to E3, I mean, that's so that's weird. weird Mm-hmm. And I love how you know you could you could make clickbait articles either way. You know, the top ten reasons that bringing one game to E3 will spell doom for Nintendo, or here are the top four reasons why Nintendo is going to win E3. Like, I'm I'm not Ugh. trying to turn it into uh, to clip, clickbait garbage. I'm trying to have like a deep analysis of what exactly is Nintendo thinking here. Are they just completely focused on a single game? Are they focused on getting the NX out in a timely manner? You know, is this maybe a changing of the guard with uh, Iwata passing away? Like it it just feels very un-Nintendo to only have one game to talk about. That feels, it is unusual. I mean, I'm super excited to learn more about Dragon Quest seven and eight on 3DS. Like, I mm-hmm. I would assume we're going to get a release date for that in the next. So where Enix
2: are publishing those this time around, not Nintendo.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Mm. okay. But
2: that's what um, Dragon Quest Heroes was all about.
0: <laughs> yeah. Weird. Okay. Okay. I just I, again, I I don't know what Nintendo Is this a shift in Nintendo's Um, business practices, or is this just more of the continued deterioration of E3 as a serious presence? I mean, EA has already pulled out of it, even though they said that they'll have news about – they were very weird because they were like, we'll have news about Mass Effect Andromeda. It's coming out next year. We'll have more to say at E3, but we're not going to be at the booth at E3. It was like, all right like is E3 becoming less relevant is maybe that part of why right. Nintendo isn't are we bringing back Space World next uh, year? Yeah. yeah,
1: well Nintendo's already shifting away from spilling all of their stuff at E3 and they're moving towards the Nintendo Direct which I think is fantastic. I, sure. I think that's a great format that works better for everybody because it's not it's it not it's information that's being widely disseminated and because we have the tools to do that it makes sense for them to give Everybody that scoops at the same time, we're no longer waiting for a copy of Nintendo Power to come in the mail, and people like us we can go to the show and we can get hands on and we can tell more about our our personal impressions of the things but i would i mean I think it's just a better strategy overall. everyone wins when they're doing stuff like nintendo direct
0: yeah so. I, I would I would agree with you it it's more time to process the information. it's not all released at the exact same time I mean it's so easy to get lost in the shuffle at e three I mean, that, that weekend is just... Uh, that week is just too much information. It's really hard to make an impact. Games get lost in the shuffle. I, I think the Nintendo Direct is a great idea. But are they really just going to show Zelda for, like, an entire Nintendo Direct treehouse thing? Like, we're, we're just going to show the new Zelda, huh? Okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll surprise us and have a
1: separate 3DS section or something, but... Mm.
0: That was kind of what I was thinking. Is maybe a Surprise,
2: little Mother game. 3. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Maybe that's like, we're only showing Zelda, but we're
0: releasing Mother 3 right now. Surprise, the Metroid you game a, you actually you've wanted. You've got a mother. <laughs> you've got a mother, and you've got a mother. Look under your seats. <laughs> oh, that'd be nuts. <laughs> Derek would be really happy that he went to E3 now. Uh, <laughs> Yay. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I I I can't wait to go by Nintendo's booth cuz their booth has been the most insane at the 2E3s I've gone to. Just way too many people, way too many games. You know, there was that famously that that one monitor that was showing Xenoblade Chronicles X, and I ran up to it, and the the woman just, the <laughs> no was like, the, the woman was just like, "You're gonna be so disappointed." I was like, "Oh." <laughs> yeah. She was like, "I've been doing that all day. I'm really sorry."
1: <laughs> Not her fault. They put it no,
0: wrong. no, no. She and she wasn't making fun of me. Like she she had genuine remorse in her voice. Like you thought you were gonna get to see that. I'm sorry. Valued customer, it can't be helped. <laughs> if you're a Wii U, Wii U owner, and I think I'm speaking to two of them, are you guys a little pissed about that system, or is it like... I know,
1: mean, I I got what I wanted to out of it. I okay. knew that I'd buy it for Smash. I'd buy it for... Well, I got it well before we knew Xenoblade Chronicles X was happening, but I, I got what I expected. I expected it to be a, a multiplayer system, mostly for me. Like I expected to get Mario Kart, Smash whatever else, uh Mario Party, that kind of stuff. And it did what I wanted. Uh, it's not my favorite system. In fact, it ranks pretty low if I had to rank it among all my systems. But I, I care where good games are more than anything. I don't have loyalty to a particular console as long as the games on are good. With that being said, I think that all the good experiences I had on Wii U would have been just as good, if not better, on, a, another, on another console.
0: So. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things that i 'm thinking about in my head is we 've seen tremendous success out of the playstation four i mean the the playstation four is selling the way the PlayStation two did, which is like incredible that's, i mean yeah that's great. it 's great it really is although i one could argue that it 's doing it with a less impressive library than the PlayStation 2 or the PlayStation 3. Well, everything's less impressive than the PlayStation 2 library. I, I, would, I <laughs> would tend to agree with you. So then if I was Nintendo, I'd be looking at that and going, you know, I think we could sell a lot of NXs just by having a focus on great first-party games. We could sell so many NXs. So then I'm wondering, you know if all this gimmicky controller stuff ends up to be true, are they potentially blowing their own toes off again with the, the Wii U confusion and, you know, oh, I just upgrade my Wii, right? No, 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 no. This is a whole new system. Like, I, I just almost feel like they, they're they making it more complicated than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just make a... Yeah, I want
1: NX to have a clearer vision. I want it to be... You know, unambiguous as much as possible. This is Nintendo's new console. This is what it does. You don't have to have any existing hardware, whatever. Just clarity and vision is what. Yeah,
0: And, and I'm sure one of our listeners could definitely bring up the GameCube and say, "Hey, Rob, they did that already." And yes, I, I agree with you. I think the, the GameCube was another you know very beloved system of mine that didn't have a whole lot of third party support, but it still sold fairly well, and the first party support was out of control, amazing. and you got Resident Evil 4, so shut up. So like I mean it can it can be something, it can be successful the the There are only a handful of games that really differentiate the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. You know, there's Bloodborne, Uncharted, Gears of War, Halo. There's only a a select few games that really separate those two platforms, but maybe it was the complete bat-crap way that the Xbox One was announced and then features were taken away and there was so much scuttlebutt that maybe that's what kind of kind of destroyed it before it even had a chance to come out the gate. <laughs> I mean, so,
2: Am uh, I mistaken, or does the Xbox One not have as many, you know, weirdo indie titles as the PlayStation 4?
0: They're, they're doing better about that. I mean, the, the weirdo indie titles are tending to start on the PlayStation 4, but, you know, for your Galaxy on PlayStation 4, you got to imagine eventually it'll come out on Xbox One, and then Xbox One also has Below, which... Hmm. Um, oh yeah, I, I need that game so badly. Uh... There's so many games, indie titles, on both platforms. But I I mean, the PlayStation 4 is just selling out of control right now, and then they might blow their own toes off if the Nintendo... If if the PlayStation 4 Neo or PlayStation 4.5, you know, if that goes over like a lead balloon. I don't know. It's a a very... It's going to be a weird E3 where I feel like everybody's like... It's like a bunch of cowboys at the poker table with derringers. Like they, they like they all got something and they're all kinda just waiting to see what the other people do. It's it's a very bizarre very bizarre time for games right now. A good time for games, but like where is this going to actually end up? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm excited to see where it goes. I don't know. I, I want to see uh The Last Guardian and they better have Trico plushies. That's all I'm asking that,
1: for. I swear they still uh Intend to release that this year. Last I heard, they still said it's on track for this year. It they, can't there's no way. I don't think
0: I, so. I think it's this year. Really? I, I think it's this year. I think Zero Dawn gets moved back to early twenty seventeen and I think The Last Guardian is out this year. Well that's already supposed to be twenty seventeen, right? No, they were saying twenty sixteen. Uh I think Horizon is uh gonna get pushed a little bit. Yeah, we haven't seen anything on that in too long. That game looked really good, though. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, those Killzone guys—they—they they make some impressive technology. I just—I could not care less about that world. So let's right. let's do something a little bit different. And then, you know, do do they do we get the Last of Us two announcement? Does that happen?
1: Probably. Now that Uncharted Four is out,
0: uh, you know, if they do it like an anthology, I'd be okay with it. I don't want to see okay. Joel. I don't want to yeah. see Ellie.
1: If it's totally separate, I'm I'm interested.
0: Yeah. That's a game that I warmed up to. I did not like it the first time I played it, and now oh, I just... Oh, I know. Well, I, oh, same. It, it, it is not a... It, I tend to like my mechanically sound games more than anything else, and it, it is, you know, it is—you know—it there's things like the Gunsway and stuff that's done for dramatic effect that really drove me nuts, and I think the beginning part of that game is trash compared to how good it actually gets. And isn't that kind of what I heard about Uncharted Four? Like the first couple chapters are pretty boring, and then the game like goes into overdrive.
1: Yeah, it's, Uncharted Four has a really. It, I think it's it's okay paced overall, but uh, the opening couple of hours has very little combat. It's almost all traversal, which
0: is cool. But that's not a bad thing. I I just think it's weird that like that's both games kind of have similar things. Like The Last of Us does not get good until you get to Boston. Like, the beginning section of that game is just way too linear and super frustrating, and then they start opening it up, and who would have thought it made a better game? So, I don't know if we get a Last of Us 2 announcement, but that kind of that's kind of where the smart money is, right? I guess.
1: That's not something that's on my list of things that I'm desperately pining for, but if it gets announced, then Naughty Dogs has delivered great experiences, and Last of Us was fantastic, so sure, I just I just don't want it to become a, you know, I don't want it to be annualized at all. I don't want it to be the kind of series that they just keep making game after game and it loses some of the heart and soul that made it so interesting in spite of it being a
0: big, blasty, shooty kind of game. Mm-hmm. It, sure. Well, really off topic, I need to send, like, an email to EGA and find out if Bloodstained is going to be at E3 because I would rush to that before yeah, anything else.
1: I don't know if it's playable yet from because I, I back to Kickstarter and I get the updates, and as of the last one I saw, they're still just basically doing animation testing and enemy modeling.: so.
0: Well, and they said they're going to follow the Shovel Knight uh, model, which is like all the extra bits that they have planned for the game they're going to release after the main game. That's smart. That is really smart. Like get oh, the cool. game get the game into my hands. Let's not do the mighty number no. nine thing of.: well, uh, you No,
2: know, if you give us some more money for an anime, <laughs> you nobody know wanted
1: And then Mighty number 9 did the thing where they're like, yeah, we have to keep delaying this game for the online feature that nobody asked for. Yeah, Uh, That nobody, who's a classic Mega Man fan, necessarily wanted. Not to say that that feature's going to be bad, because that might be fun, but that's not anything anybody wanted enough that they shouldn't (laughs) be delaying.
0: Maybe they're trying to fill that Mega Man universe hole that was Uh, left in us after that got cancelled, because that game looked cool. That that game looked like something else, Little Big Planet, but with Mega Man. That I would be down for that. Um, And then this is going to be a weird E3 because we're going to have the Battle of the D's with uh, Deus Ex: Mankind Divided and Dishonored 2. Battle of the D's. The Battle of the D's. Got Uh, some big
2: D's at E3.
0: Big D's, Uh, because like Mankind Divided looks amazing. Like every time they've showed that game off, like it just looks stupid good. But, man, Dishonored 1 was really good, too. So, I... Ugh, it's a good year to have two really great stealth um, games in that old Thief vein coming out. Ugh, so many games. God damn it.
1: I know. <laughs> cool. The best, worst problem. I know, I know. I know.
0: But, but eventually, I think it's it's good for gamers to kind of, like, pick and choose a little bit. There's nothing wrong with coming back to a game and saying, you know what? I'm not going to play this now. Like, I bought... Uh, Devil Survivor overclocked like over a year ago, and I was like, I'm going to eventually get to this. I know I want to play this, so I'm just going to have it now before it becomes hard to find, because that not that the worst, when you're like, oh, I want to play this game, and then you can't find it. You can't, yeah. And that's what happened to me with Dragon Quest 4, 5, and 6 on the DS, and that really pissed me off. Hmm. Ended up getting lucky there, but oof. I will be buying seven and eight and me- Well, maybe not eight. I, I don't know if I'm gonna buy eight on. I'm
1: kind of. I'm there with you, Rob. I'm not. I love I, Dragon Quest eight. I think it's my favorite I, one. But
0: I hear that the 3ds version is not so great.
1: Yeah, it looks rough. Just sad.
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to play seven very badly, but like eight, I think I would rather just play that. Yeah, seven. Well, we, we've got a big, beautiful version of eight already. Right. Yeah, we do. And I, seven do you, man, just make that. Eight, no. You know they won't make it a PlayStation Classic now if they're going to have the 3DS version of 8 coming out.
2: I yeah. I
1: don't know. Yeah. Well, the well, rights
0: it's, to the Dragon Quest series are notoriously weird because of the
1: music specifically. Oh, it's yeah. always been really difficult for them to license the music because they're by Koichi Sugiyama, and there's, like, uh, if you recall when Dragon Quest Heroes came out, you can't stream that game at all. It, really? The, on, the, yeah, on PlayStation 4, it won't let you stream it because of the music. It's blocked. Um,
2: n- I think it just mutes the music because uh, Tooker and I streamed it together for um for the Twitch channel.
1: Oh, did you use the, the PS4 native recording? Yeah, huh? yeah, we did. Really? I, it okay. Just,
2: it just mutes the soundtrack.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, then I stand corrected. I apologize.
0: Oh, too many games. Well... Uh, Derek, do you have any other news for us? or I, I feel like we've had a, a big analysis show that's gone on a lot of tangents, but sometimes it's years like that.
1: Well, there is one other big piece of news that I know of the three of us, I'm probably the, the one who cares the most, and that's Pokemon Sun and Moon finally Ooh, unveiled yeah. a starter Pokemon. Yeah. And the legendaries. It's uh, going to be taking place in a tropical region called Alola. It's a parallel for Hawaii, looks like. And the three new starters are... Uh, Rowlet which is a little grass owl poplio a kind of derpy sea lion seal thing and uh kind of clownish and litten a fire cat uh, so my <laughs> yeah. favorite thing about about uh, Laméo, it's so litten my favorite thing about the the starter reveals is is just watching the internet react and <laughs> people are treating poplio so badly
0: Oh my God! Oh, that's not fair.
1: defense
0: squad. I like, I like all three of them. I'm looking at them right now. They're really cute. Like, yeah. I saw the, I saw like sad Rowlet. Like, you know, nobody likes you. And I was like, oh, I, I, I like uh, Rowlet.
2: I'm done with the owl. I,
0: I don't yeah. understand his beak though. I don't know what I'm looking at with like the white top and then the kind of brown underneath. I don't, I don't quite know what I'm looking at there. If that's his mouth or not. Uh, yeah, I think it's his mouth. L- uh, Litten just looks like emo kitty and I like that. Litten looks like he doesn't care about anything. Litten don't give up. F- exactly.
1: <laughs> and Popplio
0: looks really cute. He just looks I like I know. He's like a happy little seal.
1: He looks like he just needs to be loved. but people don't want to love him for some reason. I think those I'm going to I'm, I'm going to st- get this Pokemon. starters. <laughs> it looks good. Yeah, one of my friends said uh he's like, oh yeah, I was Googling poplio, and Google said, did you mean Polio? And I realized that, yeah, that's something I'd rather have than poplio. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Man.
2: How do people not like Seaglion?
1: So I don't know, just because he has a derpy little ice cream cone snout. But I think he's cute. But people reacted that way to Oshawat too. Even I, I remember when Oshawat was unveiled, I was like, why is he, the, his color scheme seems kind of weird, and now he's one of my favorite Pokemon.
2: So cute. Oh my
1: god, precious. Anyway, uh yeah, Pokemon Sun and Moon looks cool. The if you look at the footage, like the debut trailer for Pokemon XY, or I mean just look at the game I guess, I don't know, and compare it to the trailer for Sun Moon, the proportions have evolved a lot. It's a lot like going from Final Fantasy seven to Final Fantasy eight. You can see characters are taller, their limbs are longer, there's more detail in their costumes, um the environments are are there,
0: are there more ellipses?
1: Dot dot dot. Whatever. <laughs> you want to talk to somebody? Go talk to a wall. <laughs> yeah. So it's it looks it really looks like they're making significant advancements. The battles look more or less the same. And we've we've only seen this little preview stuff of the starters fighting in battle, but uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. They've got they brought back trainer customization to at least to some degree. We don't know if you're going to be able to buy clothes and such for your trainer like you could in XY. But they do have four skin tone options and four hair color options nice. for each gender, so that's, that's kind of cool to see. And and hopefully you'll be able to do your outfit again. Uh, you know what I wish they would bring back is I really liked the partner Pokemon thing in uh, Heart Gold Soul Silver where you could have a Pokemon walking with you. I don't know why that just worked for me. It was like being able to play the Yellow version all over again with Pikachu walking around with you. I think it it really solidifies the bond between trainer and Pokemon. I'm,
0: I'm going to play this one. I haven't played a Pokemon since uh, my original copy of Blue way back when I was in middle school. So I'm going to – I'm down with playing it again. Like it, it's, it seems like a good time to jump in and just get a brand new batch and just – have some fun. I'd, I I was describing a Shin Megami Tensei to my students the other day because they were like, "What the hell is that?" And I was like, "Demon Pokemon." And they were like, "Oh, okay. That's that's all I needed." And I was like, "Man, they really should have just like gone full bore and made like a really cute version of Shin Megami Tensei." They did, and nobody bought did. it. Which one Demi was kids. it? Which one was it? Demi Kids. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they had my idea. It didn't work out. Rob's an idiot. Okay, I got, yeah, I got it. You're an idiot. Uh, a, I got the progression. It. <laughs>
2: it, was, it wasn't a good game.
0: <laughs> was it Was it back when Pokemon was first really hot, or was it before or after? Yeah, it was for Game it Boy. It was
2: after. Yeah, uh, it was so trying try. to rob the coattails, even though, well, you know, yeah. SMT predates Pokemon. But, um, yeah, Demi Kids was and trying had, to ride that wave. They had
1: two versions, too, didn't they?
2: yeah. Like, like I think, like Black Bible or something.
0: Uh, well, I think uh, they, were, they were
1: dark and light version in the U.S. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah, Black Bible, not not Bible Black, right? <laughs> <laughs> just just, just oh making sure. I'm not the only one that thought that there has I'm to be. Su- one I'm to sure list. there's a
2: visual novel of that.
0: Uh, uh, what
2: a Bible uh, Black?
1: Yeah, there is.
0: Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. How, why do I know that? <laughs> Not even
1: within the realm of my interests. So. Oh boy,
0: oh boy. Uh, anything else for us, Derek, or should I hit the escape button really quickly? It's time to go. Close it. Close this podcast. I have to go. My planet needs me. <laughs> oh man, I feel really. I'm watching the hockey game right now, and the Tampa Bay Lightning goalie looks like he just like really messed up his leg. So, oh man, oh. I mean, is
1: that like blitzball on
0: ice? I'm so confused. Oh. It's way better than blitzball on ice. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> to I isn't it is there a card game in Final Fantasy 15? No, there's a pinball game. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. okay. I think if I play Witcher again, I'm gonna play Gwent. I think I'm just gonna say screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna play some Gwent. I'm gonna play some Gwent. Just sit around playing that all day. Forget the main game. You guys should give Witcher three another shot. I, I think that it don't listen to the internet where they're like you need to make the game harder. Just play it as a vacation. You can't make me, you're not my dad. Uh, okay, then go be bloodborne. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god, I'm so tired of seeing Dark Souls and Bloodborne on my TV. My roommate just platinum. Uh, <laughs> he platinum Bloodborne, and he's working on the platinum for Dark Souls three. And it's like,
0: can you play
1: anything else,
0: please? Man, I, 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 listeners, bear with me a little bit here. Give me like a, a Dark Souls three minutes, and I oh kept it to god. the end of the podcast. I kept I, it to the I end of the podcast. Box. I kept it to the end of the podcast. Okay, <laughs> um, man, I've I've started like three or four characters in Dark Souls 3, and I keep falling into, wow, the broadsword really is the best weapon in this game. Like, there, there's something really weird that the, the heavier weapons just do not do enough damage, and I don't understand why mm. you would be screwing around with a Zweihander that does, like, 50 more damage than a broadsword and has double the stamina cost, and it's slower that like, uh, that dark sword carried me all the way through. Yeah, that's got a good move set. I I like that. And it's a little bit longer than it appears, but there's something really weird about that game with like the way it's balanced and then the the Kotaku story that came out yesterday where you know how the internet kind of said uh the poise stat isn't working and From Software responded with nope, it is. And so like you're wearing Havel's armor and you get hit by like the lowliest first level enemy and you're staggered. I, I what? Like hmm. armor really doesn't seem to be working in the game. I I don't know. It's it's weird. That's a weird game. I, I'm actually a little bit more up on it now because I think a co- I got to screw around with a couple of the boss fights that I liked a little bit more. I really like taking those boss fights apart. Uh, but Pontiff Sullivan can go to hell. Oh, that guy. He's yeah. terrible. He I he finished, a, I,
2: I finished that game in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my 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 character, not me.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Probably both. Maybe yeah. both of us. Why did you play? The, why did you do it in your underwear?
2: Well, you I, you know, because like of the poison, I was having having a lot of difficulty. So um, with the final, the last two bosses, so I just completely stripped down and two-handed my dark sword, and away I went.
1: My my roommate's build is uh, him wearing nothing but. His characters, it's it's her in her underwear with a uh, the washing pole, which is a really really long katana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her name is Carly Slay Jepson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is
1: awesome.
0: I love her. It, it's it, again, I I like that game a lot. There's a couple of boss fights that are great. There's a couple that are not so great. Walner and Sullivan come to mind. Those two boss fights are terrible. Um, but yeah, I. Like I I did not like Walner because he just did not, like, cooperate. He kept swinging his one braceleted hand over and over again, and I couldn't, like, attack him. Mm. And I was like, huh, this kind of sucks. And then he did his spit attack, and that was the end of me. Like, huh, all right. It's a weird game. It's a very, it's a very uneven game. There's great moments and not so great moments. But that's, that's your Dark Souls 3 three minutes. Okay, thank you, <laughs> listeners, for indulging me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Bloodborne yeah. When Bloodborne Two is announced to be three. It won't be. It won't be. They're working on a new IP and I think that's great. I Obviously. think that's for the best, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally, totally. I mean we're we got all the Souls like games that are trying to come out. Oh Robert, you hated Neo the way I did, right?
2: Oh, uh, that was garbage.
0: Okay. Alright. It was an it was
2: an alpha, but it was a very, very bad alpha. Yeah. That, 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 that. was not ready to be released to the public.
0: I just hate the environments in that game, and I don't like the way it controls. I think the auto-lock is trash. There's just... Eek. Like, its level design is like a PlayStation 2 game. Yeah, like, it was, it's not good. No, it's... it's. Maybe it will end up being something, but when it was asking me to fight on top of rooftops, I was, like, screaming incoherently at the game, as I just kept falling off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anywho. All right. I think we've had enough pontificating for one time. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Uh We'd love to get some feedback on this episode. Uh Let us know if the sound quality was better, if my mouth breathing was significantly reduced. That was kind of the main reason why we did this. Uh And who knows? Maybe if there's a little bit of joy and love for this, we might actually start doing uh, live podcasts where... You guys can maybe ask us questions or listen to us record it live. I, I, again, I, I don't know if maybe we want to go that direction, but I'm kind of going to leave it to you guys if you'd be interested, all three mm-hmm. of our listeners that would show up at MAGFest if we actually... Yeah. Did that could be fun. Uh, I could be into that. Oh, God, they just asked me questions over... And, Rob, why do you hate fun? Seriously, are you going to talk <laughs> oh, about it's, Doom? It's a valid question. Are you going to talk it. about Doom some more? Well, there is a progression system in Doom, so... I.
1: Mm. Just saying. Anyway, uh, please be sure to leave us your comments. Send us an email. I have access to that now. It is podcast at rpgfan.com.
0: <laughs> Thank you, you Derek.
2: <laughs> please, um, please tune in to our new uh, Doom Only podcast launching next week. It's <sighs> called Mood. <sighs> awesome. Also. That works on so many levels. <laughs> yeah, uh, Please leave us
1: reviews on iTunes. It really helps us a lot and makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside. You can find us on iTunes by searching RPG Fan or Random Encounter or any combination of those things.
0: Yep, 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 and uh, be sure to take a look at our uh, list of 30 top essential RPGs, very controversial list that we're putting out there. Uh, I tried to make sure that every one of them just read Dark Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Bloodborne, Dark Souls, but it didn't, you know, didn't work but that, out that
2: that's well. tomorrow night. Uh, uh,
0: tomorrow night yeah, that's up. part two. Okay, all right, well, now I feel better. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you all later. Thank you. Bye. And now I just hit stop.